Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Pure Victory Podcast. Hey, 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 hey. You always say that one. <laughs> I know, but we're just so thankful that you're joining us today. And today we are excited because we have another great guest couple in studio, well, not in studio, we're remote, but we're talking with them, beaming across all the way from BC, we're here in Edmonton, and we're excited to be chatting today with Ryan and Jen Walter. And we really love this couple. I mean, been part mm-hmm. of our organization, Family Life. And not only that, I mean, I'm, I love hockey, so it's great talking to him about hockey. And But I think really important why we really love this couple is just because of their marriage and what they bring and, and the love they share, the connection they bring. They have five kids, five grandkids, and they've been almost married, married 39 almost 39 years, years which is amazing. That's a great amount of time. And we're excited. I mean, you can't see them, but we can. Their arms around each other, loving each other. And it's cute. We love it. And we're just so thankful. Thank you so much, guys, for being here with us. Our pleasure. Yeah. And another thing that I I forgot to mention, too, and for those of you that are hockey nerds like me, Ryan Walter was a 15 years pro hockey player, played for the Capitals. He played for the Canadians and the Canucks. Me being an Oilers fan, that's a tough one to take, but (laughs) And um, not only that, he was a coach for a few seasons as well, too. So we want to set the table for that understanding as well. And that's going to kind of bring some understanding to this conversation, because today we want to talk about having healthy boundaries in marriage, Mm -hmm. why that's important and how what that looks like. And for a couple that is navigating a pro hockey career. It's not just one person, right? It's it's the marriage. It's dealing with that. And that's there's a lot to it. Right. And so we wanted to just 
break that down. And maybe let's start with this question for you, Ryan and Jen, and you both can jump in if you want. If you could go back to your younger selves, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourselves about setting boundaries in your marriage? Wow, that's a great question. So I'm going to let my wife think about it. <laughs> and uh, Jenny, uh, Jenny's going to have a great answer here. I, I think I think that we would have understood the process earlier, and maybe you know in, uh, implemented. I wouldn't say more boundaries, but specific boundaries a little earlier, maybe in in our uh, process in our life. I know Jenny and I when you know, and, and you'll hear about her personality versus mine. We're very different. And I'll go into a room and people will, you know, will want, I'll, I'll want to talk to them. They'll want to talk to me. And what Jen and I found is, is I would try to grab her hand and just hold her hand because uh, I didn't want Jenny to get lost in all of that. I wanted her, I wanted people to know that Jenny is my, my sweetheart. She's my doll. She's my, she's who I'm married to. And so I, I just really felt that, you know, it's not so much a boundary, it's just establishing in a room that, you know, we're together and and that, you know, we're one. Like, if you want to talk to me, you, you got to talk to Jen. If you want to talk to Jen, you're going to talk to me. So that, that was one. I think the other thing that, you know, we we could have done earlier, but we really learned a little later on is is just to try to make it us even in some of the stuff that we do business-wise. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds a little bit weird, like there's, you know, a, a male executive, f- female executives, but we're always trying to make sure, and I, as much as I can, I try to include Jenny in, in the things that I do, even from a business point of view. Uh, we use we a lot. Mm. In other mm-hmm. words, it's not, you know, here, I'm Ryan and, and I'm going to deal with you. no you're dealing with both of us. So so those are some of the ways. Jen, you'll have other ways. Well, thinking back to when Ryan was playing really early in our marriage, you actually did almost innately create boundaries in many ways that to help my, I would say my self-confidence and just so that I knew that that I mattered to you. And one example, we got lots of kind of funny ones. One was Ryan, I'll let you tell your Gila Fleur one, but one was when he was in the dressing room and a girl called him in the dressing room. So this is in the Montreal Canadians dressing room. Ryan can tell it better than me. Normally no one gets through there. So the switchboard person must have thought it was me calling for Ryan, that there was some kind of emergency. Well, never in 15 years of his professional career did I ever call him at the rink or in the dressing room. And so anyway, we know why the call got through. It was because the Lord wanted it to get through because this was a young woman who was actually on the verge of committing suicide. And she had known Ryan was a Christian. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you had sent her an autograph. No, it was an interview that I did. Oh, and, she saw an interview. Yeah. She saw an interview that really no one saw. It was on like the Greek channel yeah, or exactly. something. She, <laughs> she was, <laughs> it was on this channel. <laughs> anyway, all that to say, once she connected with him and everyone was ribbing Ryan in the dressing room, he said, well, you know, I can meet with you, but it'll, it has to be with my wife, Jen, too. Like just almost from the moment we were married, that was our, yeah. that was our boundary is that we weren't going to meet. And I asked her to call you. 
Yeah, he did. Yeah. He gave he let her call me. And so that we ended up in a sort of a mentorship discipleship. She, she accepted the Lord yeah. thing with her, but that's, so that's an off, you know, one off. And then I, Ryan's got a really yeah, point. I think one. the principle there that we've been trying to figure out from a boundary point of view and, and just try to establish as a married couple is that Ryan doesn't do women alone. That that's the goal is, and it, and it, it's not perfect. You know, uh, I had a call with a lady executive this afternoon that wants our services, you know, wants leadership development. But when we can, Jen and I try to do even our training together, you know, so, and I think that's important. Yeah. Jenny reminds us of a, a brilliant by, you know, this is the Lord. I give him, we both give him all the credit. So obviously Guy Lafleur is going through a tough time right now. Wonderful man. And he was my roommate in Montreal for a portion of the the time I was there. And uh, Flower was going to retire. And uh, Chris Nyland, the good old Knuckles Nyland, comes up to me. He says, Wally, we're, we're, that was my nickname in those days. He says, we're, we're going to throw a retirement banquet for Flower and for Gila Fleur. And, it's, and we're going to the Shea. Well, the Shea in Montreal is Shea Paris. And that's the, you know, the local strip joint. And I said, I said, Nux, this is Flower. This is Gila Fleur. Like, let's go to the, the Ritz Carlton. Like, let's do it right. He said, no, we're going to the shade. And, uh, and he had a big smile on his face. And he said to me, he said, and you're not coming, right? I know you're not coming. And I said, well, yeah, you're right, Nux. I mean, I, I don't want to do that to Jenny. And he said, but I know why. It's more than that. He said, and, and I think I got an answer for it. He said, God's everywhere, right? <laughs> he said, you can go into the shade. He's already there. <laughs> and I said, Knuckles, that's the, yeah, I get it, but it's not quite what we're going to do. So I wasn't going to go into, into the shapery anyway. That wasn't who I am. Uh, that's not my identity. But it was interesting. You know, I was the only player on the Canadians that didn't go. I felt bad for that because I love Guy, you know, he's my buddy. And many of the guys obviously after came to me and said, we should have went to the Ritz-Carlton or whatever. So there there are times, I mean, I, you know, did, did I do the right thing? Did I not do the right thing? Maybe I should have been closer to the guys along that, but I'm not going to do that. That's not what Jen and I would do. It's not who we are. It's not who we are in Jesus. So, so there's a couple examples of boundaries. I, I would just throw in one for now to one more, just for our life, how important we believe it is in marriage, not to hold secrets from each other. Mm-hmm. We're one. And so, I mean, everything, whether it's our Facebook password mm. or <laughs> Anything at all, we share it freely with each other. We share what we're doing. We don't close a screen ever. We don't, mm-hmm. like, we're really, I think that's really important for, especially for young married couples now, mm-hmm. when when you first get married, to actually sit down and say to each other, you know, this is us now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm not hiding anything I do from you. Nothing's hidden from God anyway. He sees yeah. everything we look at on a screen. But for each other to stay strong and secure and in love, it's Good. really, really critical to not have a, any kind of a secret world, yeah. you guys together. 
for mm-hmm. sure. Because hiddenness, I mean, it just destroys intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. So did you ever get any um, pushback from like in your all your years, kind of, you know, other people being like, come on, just who cares? What's the big deal? Anything kind of under those realms that you can kind of remember? I, I, I feel the opposite almost. I feel like mm-hmm. people respect it. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I know, I know that that there is pushback. We're boomers. People might think, okay, you guys are just weird and that's okay. But um, this has worked really well for us to stay happily, not just married for 39 years, but loving each other more than ever and Mm -hmm. really achieving um, the marriage of our dreams. I'd say, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's always room for improvement and for everyone. Now thinking about this with marriage, we didn't come with a playbook from day one that we can read and understand each other completely, nor do we do that with our marriage. We just don't, we're growing in this together. Mm-hmm. So for you guys entering into this high profile lifestyle where people don't always have the same values as you, how did you guys come to an agreement about what your boundaries were? Was it kind of trial and error or mm. was this discussions that you both had so that like, for instance, you, Jen, like when Ryan was on the road, you felt secure and safe mm. knowing that he was in agreement with you. And then Ryan, same thing, you being gone, Jen's in agreement with what, you know, you guys have talked about. <laughs> well, how did that play out? I think a little bit both, you know, there was a bunch of trial and error. I mean, there, there was stuff we did intuitively. I would try to, when I'm on the road, I would try to call Jen every night and talk to the kids and talk, you know, though it was just what we did, right? We connected. It wasn't, you know, Ryan's away for a week and we'll talk to him next week when he gets home. And that that's just, you know, I think that, that that's not a big deal, but I saw lots of pro players and what they did on the road too. Mm-hmm. And that was more of a, a values boundary also. I think the other thing though, we were, I think a little bit proactive in, I remember Jen and I reading some great books about boundaries, you know, and just sort of trying to figure that that side of, of the, you know, our life out. So I think it was part of it. I remember it's not really a boundary, but I, I never forget Jenny's mom, whom I love very much. And she's passed now, but she was trying to figure out this Christianity thing in Jen and I, especially me. And I remember one time she said to me, I'll be watching. <laughs> <laughs> And isn't that awesome? And and I think that in a funny way, even with boundaries, I think that's what people do. They they go, well, what the heck are you doing? And then they watch. And if it works and if it's real, then they get it. But, mm-hmm. you know, so many people say, you know, that obviously we have to be congruent here. What we say and what we do has to equal. Mm-hmm. And so boundaries are as good as, you know, we're all going to screw up, but we're all going to mess up, but you know, it, it's a place where we need to ask for the Lord's protection and his power because it's easy to set a boundary, but it's not easy to keep a boundary. Yeah, I don't know if I have um, anything much to add there except that our seasons of marriage, we change, you know, we get different. I don't know, challenges that come our way in life. Hmm. And it's a, it's a really good conversation to keep going and revisit in marriage from time to time rather than, okay, at the beginning of our marriage, we're going to say this. And when I went through menopause, I actually went through a real time of insecurity and anxiety. And Ryan's very solution driven. And 
it was a good discussion for us to have for him to say, what, what would make you feel less anxious? Like, what could we set in place and do differently now than we were even 10 years ago? And that, so that was good. Mm-hmm. So I think the key is to feel open and comfortable to talk to each other about everything and mm-hmm. ask God for help in just mm-hmm. finding really good <laughs> solutions to the issue that it's coming our way, maybe. That's a great point, Jen. And, and at the time, I was uh, a president of the Abbotsford Heat, and we had, you know, many amazing ladies that were, you know, part of our organization. And one of the things, even at that time, when Jen was going through this hard time, that we decided is that, you know, we decided it together is that when a young lady was meeting in my office, I would leave the door open. You know, I wouldn't close the door. That was just our little boundary. It was just a a silly little thing, maybe. But uh, we felt, Jen and I felt that was important. It it wasn't that Jen didn't trust me. It was more, you know, from a a visual point of view, hey, what's going on in there? And probably a wise business practice for anyone, even if they're not even married, just in the culture or the the atmosphere that we live in. Mm. That's just smart. That's just a smart way to run your business, really. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. So you guys are in this world. I mean, you're talking about the seasons and those change for sure. Now, I know that for you guys, you were dropped into this life where the models for you maybe weren't always there. Sometimes maybe they were. And I know that life in those times can seem a little chaotic and what do you tether yourself to, right? And that's kind of what we think about in marriage. Like, what are our anchors that we can really rely on and lean on? Media around us sometimes is great models. And of course, it's our relationship with Jesus and then each other. But what were some anchors for you guys that you could tether to so that you didn't get swept up in this lifestyle that, Brian, you were alluding to? You saw how some guys lived. Mm-hmm. We had a really strong church. We were very... Uh, young in our our faith journey when Ryan got traded to Montreal and we got involved in a small group right away like as soon as like our first year of marriage with other couples and they were of different ages so some were our age and some were our age now (laughs) (laughs) but so 29 but so that was amazing because that was and some were single and some were widowed. And, you know, we just had the full spectrum of role models, prayer partners, people that we could be real with and share on a very deep level. And so mm-hmm. I think that was true. amazing. And then we had Don Lismer, who's the president of Hockey Ministries International, mm-hmm. and his wife, Jeannie, were there in Montreal mentoring us. He, Don had a big role to play in in Ryan Mm -hmm. coming to the Lord when Ryan was in Washington and Jean Pronovo and his wife, Deanne were there who Ryan had played with in Washington, who also had a, a big role in helping Ryan on his journey. Yeah. We were in a Bible study with them. And in that study was uh, one of the Montreal Alouettes players and his wife. And then we got to be really good friends with a pitcher for the Expos, Tim Burke and his wife, Christine, this is how we were. The Bible tells us that not to, not to stop meeting together because because mm-hmm. we need to be encouraged. And we 
need to be encouraged. So that was there. And even now during COVID, we're in, an, in a hockey ministries, international alumni hmm. Bible study that with some couples that we played, um, usually you were traded for them and some you played <laughs> with. But, and so that never changes. It doesn't matter how old you are or how long, you know, how much you've learned about God or anything. We need to, each other for mm. encouragement. So I think that would be it's a, true. that's a huge anchor for marriage is to, to get with other like-minded couples and encourage each other. You know, as imperfect as my mom and dad and Jen's mom and dad are and were, they were amazing. You know, in the in the in the life that they lived, we always knew they were in love. They went through hard times. You know, they they had a family first focus. It was about the kids. It was about each other. And could have they done better? Probably now looking back. But so can Jenny and I. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think we all we, you know coming out of seeing those two marriages. We, Jen and I sort of looked at each other early on in our marriage and said, you know, our, our kids have no advantages. <laughs> Hopefully they don't have too many disadvantages in having us as their parents. The only thing we really know is that if we hug and kiss and love each other and they see that, mm. that gives them an anchor also. So to go forward, as failed parents as we all are, I think that this idea of loving each other, you know, covers a lot of sin, (laughs) covers a lot of problems and gives our kids and gives us and gives our kids an anchor to sort of move forward on. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you too, I guess. We know a lot of like even movies nowadays that people watch and stuff like that. They have their girlfriend, they have their boyfriend, and then they have like tons of other friends of of the opposite sex, right? And they show it like it's no big deal. You can have a best friend that's a guy, but still be married or have your boyfriend. And so they're portraying that this is doable and mm-hmm. wise. What would you say to younger generations, even to younger people? Not that you're trying to be like, oh, come on. Like, why don't you just like, what's the big deal? Right. Lighten like, what, up, right? Yeah, yeah. lighten up. Like, <laughs> yeah. It is. No, it's yeah. a great point. It's a great point. Jenny has a brilliant answer. No, I don't. <laughs> I do not. But I encourage and what I think is we all lead super busy lives and I had the fortune I was fortunate in fact to be a stay-at-home mom as our daughter is now in daughter-in-law but that's very unusual and so we're super busy at work we're uh, both of us husband and wife and then even if maybe we have kids we're running around maybe we don't but The thing I think that we need to really think about is making each other's friends our friends Mm. in marriage. That Ryan's best friends, I love Ryan, and I want to love his best friends, and I'm determined to do so because he chose them. If, if, If I say, well, I don't like your friends, I don't want to be around them, I'm saying I think you have poor judgment and poor poor discernibility and so on. Hmm. And, but, but I want his friends to be comfortable around me and, and the same with him. And if we only have this many hours to devote to our friends, let's make it an inclusive thing. I mean, that's not always going to happen, but that's really easy to happen. Male and female is to include. Hmm. So, if Ryan had a best friend that was female before we were married, which you really didn't, Mm-mm. but if 
hypothetically speaking, I would include Ryan's best friend and make it us and we. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the safest situation. That's the situation where I'm not going to start to resent time he might be spending. And he, he wouldn't want to be spending time with his female friend anyway, because when we became one, we're the most important member of the opposite sex, I'd say, for each other. But mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that we can't have friendships, but that the really wise thing to do is to make them inclusive so that as a couple, this person is our friend. Or does that make sense yeah, to you? that's good. I, that was long-winded. No, it's good. Sorry. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that hit me when Jen said that was early on. I don't know why we did this, and we weren't perfect, but another boundary that we sort of talked about was to be very careful around the words that we say about each other's family. So my mother-in-law is not an old lady or she's, oh, it's my mother-in-law. You know, in John chapter one, Jesus says he is the word. I mean, so words must be important. And language is absolutely structural and important. So we tried to be very careful about, like Jen said there, you know, right off the bat is, about what we say about each other's friends, about what we say about each other's family, about how we position other people's kids. I think that it has so much, it, there's an underlying power when words are used in a very, I'm not going to say negative way, but a very disappointing way. And, it, and it, it has power. And that was a little boundary we tried to set early on. And we were kind of different because Ryan's best friends were all pretty much, Excuse me. he had some best friends from growing up, but he also had best friends and they were guys because his, because that's what he did. He met hockey players. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. players were his friends. Hockey players' wives were my friends after mm -hmm. we were married. Like, so we didn't encounter this in the same way that some might, Yeah, but even still we, we would we we were just careful, I think, from the get go to make sure that that we weren't causing resentment in our in each other by who we might choose to have friendships with or and that and we're one. The Bible says when you marry you're one. So Ryan's friend is my friend. Cool. And cool. it's a big friendship circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. a question for you guys too, I guess, is and I'm not trying to bring up something, but like just thinking back now, was there ever a point where, I don't know, Jen, like you kind of came across jealousy or like kind of crept up or kind of in the back of your mind of some sort? And how did you deal with that? Or like, if there's nothing, there's nothing. Yeah. I was just, I'm just curious if there was anything that you had to kind of fight off, like maybe a spiraling down type mentality sometimes or. Right. Well, for the, for those listeners that are in the States maybe, or, or across the world, the reason why this question I'm interested in too is because here in Canada, hockey is like the thing. <laughs> and if you're a pro hockey player, you're very desirable in the sense that, you know, for a guy like Ryan, there's probably a lot of women that are really interested in a guy like that. So this is a for a question of a pro hockey player. But not only that, I wanted to hear Ryan's perspective too, because it'd be the same thing. You know, was yeah. there points of jealousy for Jen as well? But sorry, didn't want to interrupt you. Just wanted to set the table for that. <laughs> you would think so that I'm just, sort of a backwards kind of person. I remember I remember one incident where Ryan got a piece of fan mail and it was saying something that wasn't true from a female. 
and he showed it to me. Like he brought it home and said, I want you to see this. This didn't happen. Someone actually invented something. And I wouldn't say I was jealous, but I mean, I was hurt and worried, but the way we dealt with it was complete transparency again, you know, but the funny thing about me is other than that one time I had zero jealousy the whole time Ryan played hockey. Like I never worried. I never thought on the road, always got all these girls trying to get his attention. I never thought, Oh, they're so much prettier than I am or It never crossed my mind. We were really in love and young. And, but the funny thing is it hit me, like I said before, when I'm going through menopause, like there was never a time to feel jealous or insecure. It was when he was this (laughs) professional (laughs) hockey player and it happened. Not being an old and guy. It happened. <laughs> <laughs> it happened later. It's so weird. But we were having some stressful times in our family during that time. But I mostly think it was honestly a hormonal thing. Hmm. And then I felt so badly about feeling that way. I I thought, you know, this is like this is sinful behavior of me to be jealous of someone else. The Bible says, love your neighbor, not, you know, (laughs) so, so then I would feel so bad. I didn't want to even tell Ryan about it, but the way out for us was the same old, same old. It's Mm. sit down, tell him how I'm feeling, share. We actually, I actually got a bit of counseling and really proactive things to help me through and not because I created anxiety in me because Mm -hmm. I was really anxious. It wasn't a good thing. So I had a backward, exactly the opposite of what you think should have happened. If I was ever going to be jealous, it shouldn't have have been when I was in my twenties, not in my fifties. God was just protecting you, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, in our twenties and thirties, I mean, the other thing that's sort of a, a cool thing that happens to couples is you get busy. You know, I mean, we were busy growing kids. We were, we had a career where, you know, we were, our feet were moving. We're busy, busy, busy. And so, you know, you, sometimes it's not a bad thing to be busy together because you don't have time to get in trouble. <laughs> right? right. And four of our five kids were, were born in Montreal and it was, it was just a really fun time. We really en- enjoyed that process. So But I think you did make me feel very secure. Yeah. So that I never did feel jealous. You were very well and still are such a loving husband. I I think I think that you know, I I mean I'm I was not unaware, there's a double negative, of the things that were happening around the players, around the team. But I think the you know, the Lord's gotta get all the credit here because I don't know. He just sets our hearts and our minds towards things and away from things. And I think if there's one boundary that people listening could dive into, it's asking him, our savior and our king, to help us set the boundaries and then to live the boundaries. Like we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. We can't be the husband that he wants us to be, me to be. So I think that that's, that's a really big one. And, and we give him the credit because it wasn't that hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't like Jen and I sat down and said, okay, we're going to do this. And, and, you know, this is going to be really hard. And you can't go to bars and you can't do this. And you can, 
Yeah. You know, I used to I used to actually go to the bar with uh, the guys on the road and have a, a bubbly water with lime. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, I did not want to be with my buddies. I wasn't there late, but, uh, you know, it was a team thing. We were going together. And so I think everybody finds their edge for what they, they're going to allow themselves to do. And it's always best, as Jenny said, if that edge that you find is talked about and discussed and then committed to together. Right. Mm. Yeah, you know, really well said, you guys. I, Chris and I sitting here, we really appreciate this, what you're saying, because not only that, we know you and we've seen how you guys have stayed connected and linked arms. Yeah. And we see it now. You've lived this life. You have this love and this oneness that you built into. We know that mm-hmm. because we see it. Mm-hmm. And you guys have done that. And we just want to tell you that we we so appreciate that and um, and how you've you've worked into your marriage and we've seen that you've invested in your marriage. So all the things you said, you know, have really been encouraging to hear yes. from us and, and not only that, to see it lived out in real time. Yeah, it's so. one thing to say it, but to live it out is just... It can be done. And it I love it. It can be done. That's right. So we want to thank you. And we are going to have them next week, guys, as well. So please stay tuned. We're going to break down more understanding of how to build actually intimacy in yes. marriage, which I think that's a great topic all <laughs> into itself. So we're going to talk to them about that next week. So thanks again, guys, for hanging out with us. Mm-hmm. And we will check in with you seven days. <laughs> thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.